Hello, everyone. I am so excited to introduce someone new to you. Her name is Elena Ciccatelli. She is a dream-chasing ginger Jersey girl with an insatiable appetite for the creative process. She's a writer, podcaster, blogger, pizza connoisseur, and productivity enthusiast. She looks like a baby, but has the heart of an AARP cardholder. She's a side gig hustler and helps others find their side gig and thrive while doing their nine to five and five to nine. Introducing the Brand Insider. The Brand Insider is my customized program in which I work with my team of vetted experts to create personal brands or to rebrand our clients, creating amazing visual content, copy, logos, websites, videos, as well as managing social media accounts and providing information on what the importance of social media actually is and how to use it to grow your engagement and sell without selling. We build brands that stand out and make an impact. Visit my website where you can learn all about personal branding and what we can do together to help you and your brand soar to new heights in 2020. Hello friends, welcome to this episode of the Second Phase Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Graham, a personal branding expert and photographer. I am so excited you are here with me today to chat all about personal branding and life in the second phase. What is the second phase? The second phase for me was a change in careers and learning how to navigate a new world and build a business from the ground up when I was terrified to put myself out into the world. For some, the second phase is a significant lifestyle change. No matter the definition of your second phase, we are here together to learn about creating a personal brand that stands out and makes an impact and grow as our authentic selves and follow our callings, our passions, our visions, and our values. Wherever you are listening today, be sure and pause for just a minute and leave a review. Your ratings and reviews are what help the word spread about the show. If you find the information presented in the podcast helpful, please share it with friends and others and leave that review so that others can find us too. Now grab your cup of coffee or the dog's leash and let's dive into a new episode. Welcome to the second phase podcast, Elena. Thank you, Robin. Thank you so much. I am excited to be here. I ha- I met you on Instagram, which I think is one of the best ways to network and grow connections and everything. So I know a little bit about your story, but I want you to tell the audience a little bit about you and where you came from, where you started and your family life, all those little nuances that everybody else doesn't yet know. Absolutely. So I'll give you the 30,000 foot view and then we can kind of drill down a little bit further. So I'm a former ballerina turned personal trainer turned corporate sales manager turned podcaster. So I have probably, what is this, fourth phase, right? (laughs) So (laughs) we can say second phase of fourth phase. Um, So I started out um, really... Uh, very focused in the dance world. I, um, as I mentioned, was a uh, ballet dancer for about 20 years, and that was my identity. That was how I, uh, you know, was really creative, and I loved the structure of it. I loved the creative expression, and um, I actually have my BFA in dance from uh, Marymount Manhattan College in New York City, so I, I spent a lot of time in New York City, and um, after I graduated, I decided I really, like you, I really love helping people. And in the dance world, it's a little bit self-serving. It's a little bit like, oh, I'm better than her. It's like a lot of competition back and forth. And that's not really me. So I instead was like, hmm, what can I really do to help people? I'm, you know, I was like at the top of my game. I was a phenomenal athlete, right, for all intensive purposes. And I got into the fitness world. I got my personal training certification. Um, 
And I really just wanted to make an impact in other women's lives because I know what it was like to be not feeling good about your body and feeling good in your skin because you know, as a ballet dancer, you are scrutinizing every single little thing on your body. And I was, I felt like I was too young to hate my body. And I wanted to get into a profession or a, a line of work where I could not only feel good about myself, but also help other women feel good about themselves too. So that's how I started my journey as a personal trainer. And then I uh, decided, man, I can do this really well and I'm going to start my own company. So from there, I decided to start an in-home personal training company. It was called Trainer Diva. Um, I actually scaled up this company all the way up to six figures over the course of 10 years. And what I found was that, yes, we were making huge impact in uh, a ton of women's lives, but the business model that I had come up with was, was just no longer working. And I'm happy to talk about it further, but um, the, the way that I pivoted back into making it work was I actually scaled down the business. And to this day, I still have personal training clients that I train every Saturday. Um, and that's, if you want to know more about why I, I pivoted in that way, episode 15 on my podcast. And then um, I got into the corporate world. Actually, right now I work for Lyft the ride-sharing company. I'm a sales manager for Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware um, in their automotive section. And um, so I got into that in 2017. Uh, I just recently got promoted, which is ironic. Um, and then I was uh, at the same time kind of dabbling in YouTube and creating YouTube videos and seeing what that was about. But my, my theme and my topic was not side gigs. It was actually food. It was food reviews, going into restaurants and like reviewing and critiquing. I got a little bit of traction there, but um, I, I decided uh, podcasting seems a little bit more, um, for me, it was more personal. And I, I felt like I was able to make more of an impact with podcasting. And also I could really outsource a lot of the post-production work. Um, with YouTube and video, it's like very hands-on unless you have like a, a production company or like, a, you know, you're outsourcing a videographer or somebody to like really help you with that production side. It's all you. Um, with podcasting, I've been able to outsource a lot of it, which is how I'm able to still have my nine to five and uh, work on Side Geek Central. So. Uh, I really turned to podcasting because it has been, number one, it's, it's been so much fun to create and develop, um, but I just feel like it is such a powerful medium, and it's really just like this amazing media disruptor. I actually talked about this on my Instagram stories yesterday about how, you know, if you're a podcaster, you are the media, you are the press right? Every time you get behind that mic. So that is just really fascinating to me. So that's like fast forward to where we are today. I still am working my nine to five as I'm building out uh, Sidekick Central. What is your goal with Sidekick Central? Obviously you're wanting to help other women grow a side gig or grow a business or start into the, the world of entrepreneurship. But are you able to monetize your podcast and is that your ultimate goal is to be seen as um i guess maybe a podcasting coach not to coach for podcasting but coaching women via the podcast like is so dive a little bit into that and how you plan to make money off of this podcast and website without actually meeting with clients and things like that yeah, absolutely. So the big thing for me for monetization is leaning on sponsors. So I actually, um, again, I'm going to reference Instagram a lot. Um, I just posted yesterday about how I landed an affiliate deal for my podcast. So that's how I'm monetizing. I'm leaning very heavily on sponsors. And I also want other podcasters to know that you do not need to have like 10, 15,000 downloads on your show before you go and pitch a sponsor. You really, it's not necessary. You are bringing engaged, loyal fans 
to these brands. And it's like, don't discount the fact that you have that power. You have, again, like I was saying, you have that power behind the mic. So I really um, encourage other podcasters, even if they're in the early stages, I started my podcast September, 2019. Like I was, you know, for all intents and purposes, I'm still a newbie, but I made a decision very early on. And I said, I'm going to monetize this as soon as possible. Uh, within my third month, I had my first sponsor, um, December, like right before the end of the year, I closed my second sponsor and I'm announcing at the end of January in two weeks who that sponsor is. Um, but it's an affiliate sponsor. Um, so anytime that I'm able to bring uh, a brand forward that aligns with my, my target market, which is women entrepreneurs who uh, want to start a side gig, if that brand really aligns with my audience, I have no problem bringing that brand forward and saying, Hey guys, this is phenomenal. But then also the key component there is that I also have to be a customer of that brand. I have Mm -hmm. to experience the product, use it, believe in it and be like, yes, you know, know, this is, this is something that's going to help you with your business. So, um, that's on the the monetization side. I'm sorry. I forget your second question that you had asked. I, I have to interrupt you for just a second because what you just said was very important. It has to be your sponsors have to be in the realm of the women that you're serving. They have to be related to entrepreneurship or they have to have a product or service that's going to then help your audience. And I love how you say that you have to be using that product and using it and liking it and appreciating it in order to have the relationship of sponsorship with them. And I think that's really important because I think it shows integrity. And I think a lot of times people get so wrapped up in the monetization that they forget that, you know what, this isn't serving my audience and this really isn't representing me as who I am. So I think it's really important, those two facts that you said. Now, this leads me to another question. And this interview is kind of going a little bit off from where I had originally thought it was going to go. So I'm I'm kind of excited, actually. No, Um, it's great. But you have you have experience in the sales world through your corporate job, your nine to five. And are you using that sales experience to pitch these affiliates? Yes, yes, that is a great question. And ironically, my nine to five sales job is probably in the most abrasive environment that you could ever think of. I go into automotive dealerships and I pitch software. Can you think of a more abrasive environment to go and do sales? It's like, it's mind boggling to me. So, well, and especially for people who don't know you and have not seen you on Instagram yet or been to your website, you're I'm no little. bigger than a minute. <laughs> no bigger small. than a minute. <laughs> a very so. petite, pretty little thing. <laughs> Thanks, Robin. No, and that's why I say on my website, like I have the face of a baby, but I really have the soul of like an old per, like AARP person. Um, but yeah, so I am walking into these stores, and I am selling software. So that means first and foremost, I am building a relationship. I am not talking about, hey, how I can help you with your transportation solutions right off the bat. I'm talking about what are your pain points in your service department right now? Like I am diagnosing systematically what problem I can solve. And I, it's so funny because I do this exactly on my podcast. Um, You know, what problem can I solve? What are the solutions that I can offer you are that are going to actually move the needle on your business? And they want to know, is this going to make money? Is this going to cost me money? And this is going to actually make a difference on my bottom line. So I'm in this environment with, you know, rough and tumble service managers. And um, ironically, I have been really successful at it. I actually did like the best quarter in in Q4, which was the same quarter that I started my podcast. Um, But it was because I had built these really strong relationships. And then I went into the sale. And then what ended up happening was a lot of these stores are like auto groups, right? Mm -hmm. So if it's an auto group, they might have five stores or six 
Right. You know, um, so I really leveraged the relationship with the key decision maker at one store. And they're like, you know what? We really like Elena. We really like that. She's helping us get our transportation under control and let's just do the rest of the stores. Right. So it's that personal connection. I cannot drive that home enough because moving that same theory or that same concept over to starting side gig central. I don't see a lot of podcasts with a, with a woman out front. I could maybe name two shows where there is a woman out front consistently building trust with their audience and talking about their podcast. So I, was like, okay, this is a need. This is a need in the market for somebody to just step out front and take the mic and say, all right, here I am. You're going to see my face every day, right? I see a lot, a lot, a lot of podcasts that are just, here's what my episode was about. Okay, awesome. I need a human connection, right? Because we're trying to reach through that screen or reach through the, the headphones to, to, to get that person to, uh, to listen to our message. So a lot of lessons learned, uh, a lot of people kicking me out of their store, but, <laughs> but I've been able to create relationships and get people to know, like, and trust me. So you said a couple of things that I have to really point out because in episode two of my podcast, I talked about how I identified my personal brand and how my brand equation, which is a way to identify your niche or your um, personal brand. And first and foremost, for anyone who is interested in starting a side gig that could potentially launch into a full-time entrepreneurship opportunity, you have to be in the trenches building relationships. There just is no other way. And a lot of people will, and you know, you talk a lot about Instagram and your Instagram presence is really amazing. You're, you're front and center. And what I appreciate the most is that you had professional photography done. You are, you are the face of your brand. People immediately get to see who you are and get to understand a little bit about your personality, a lot about your personality through all of your content. And that's so important with building a personal brand because like you said, you're building that no like, and trust factor. And if you don't have the no like, and trust factor, people are not going to hire you. Your side gig or your entrepreneurship, no matter how big or small it is, is not going to succeed. Because yeah. people don't buy products and services. They buy personalities. Yes. So, I mean, yes. kudos to Lyft for hiring you and having you front and center in this environment because <laughs> I'm sure it helps. But um, that relationship building is so key. Okay, so you've, you've really hit, hit some really good points. For, for me as a personal branding strategist, your, what you are doing and how you're doing it is exactly what I hope every one of my clients leaves me and goes and does. So oh, that's so sweet. That, Thank you, Robin. that Instagram, um, concept that we were, I touched on a second ago, um, and how you have built your audience on, on Instagram and how you're doing it on a daily basis to me is the key because so many people will buy followers or they'll have the bots go out and follow unfollow and all of these games that helps no one because you're not building your relationships with those audiences that are going to help you soar to new heights. You're having numbers, but those numbers mean nothing if those relationships aren't building and you're not engaging and growing an emotional connection and relationship building. So kudos to you. I think you're doing a great job in that respect. Um, Thank you. and I don't, I don't say that lightly because it's something I'm very passionate about. And that's what I want for all of my, my clients as well as, you know, hopefully I'm influencing that on, yeah. you know, through my content as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just to, just to touch on that, that point that you brought up, I think that, and it's, you know, this being a photographer, that it is people connect with people right? I don't care what your caption says, right? If you have your face and, and I get it, like people don't really like to take pictures of themselves. And I actually say in one of my episodes I did with Allison Scholes, the first thing out of my mouth was, guys, I hate selfies. Mm -hmm. The person who posts a selfie every day, guys, I hate it, right? But you still need to be able to 
People connect with people. End of story, period. 100% people connect with people. And I'm with you on the selfie thing. And I think part of the problem is I just can't take a good selfie. Oh, stop it. But no, I love, I mean, as a photographer, um, it, it selfies bother me from the perspective that first of all, they're, they're not professional. They're not always a great angle. The lighting isn't always good. And sometimes people do it just right. And I, I do have a smartphone photography guide for business and, you know, it's about taking selfies, but it's about having the right light, having the right angles. And, you know, you can buy a tripod for your smartphone or your iPad for 20 bucks. buy that and use that. So at least it's not so, you know, where your the arm is above your head and it's so obvious that that's what it is. Um, but that that's neither here nor there. At least they're showing up and putting their face out there because that eye and, and smile connection is that I always say the eyes and the smile are the gateway to the soul. So, you know, that's how people are going to get to know you. So you do have to have your face out there. And for social media posts, for those people who the light count is really important, the posts with faces on them get like 94% more engagement and likes and attention. So there you have it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. Let's shift gears just for a second, because I want to understand, and I want everyone else to understand, like, how did you scale your first business? So I think, you know, you, your story is unique in that you, you went to college, you got a degree, you're not using that degree. And more and more, I'm seeing that I am not using my degree. And many people that I know, um, you know, from my networking and entrepreneurship world, they're not using their degree either. They've completely shifted gears. And I think it's a really awesome thing that people are becoming more confident to learn and grow and do unique, different things outside of what they were put into a box from their degree to go out and do. So tell me a little bit more about how you, you, I get how you got into the fitness world. That totally makes sense to me. But how did you scale that business? How did you go from you know, leaving your degree and, and ballet and dance and what you knew to becoming a trainer and then scaling that business to a point where it was six figures and very successful? Yeah, that's a great question. So I am a huge believer in bootstrapping. And if uh, you're listening and you have no idea what that word means, it means that you're literally pulling yourselves up, up from your bootstraps and you are funding your side gig from a piece of an investment that you have maybe from your nine to five and you are not borrowing any money to start, right? You are completely a hundred percent self-funded. I don't have Elon Musk in the back corner funding my side gig, right? So I'm a big believer in bootstrapping. So that's how I started. I started my company while I was still full-time employed at a commercial gym you see this trend here? I do. I see it. You start to see a trend. Okay. So I was in a corporate gym setting. I was very successful. I was the only female personal trainer and all my clients were women. And there was a need. There was a screaming need for in-home, private, one-on-one personal training because every single client that I had, every woman that I trained, they're like, Oh my God, I hate this gym so much. Everybody's looking at me. Everybody's judging me. I feel like I'm on display and I'm like, no, no, you're awesome. Keep going. I love you. Let's do this. And then I'm like, no, this is a legit problem in the marketplace that I can solve. So what I did was I took $50 from every single paycheck that I had coming in from the corporate gym. I saved that money and I started buying just fitness equipment. I started just like stockpiling it. And then one day I asked one of my clients who ironically is still my client today. Her name is Alexis. I said, Alexis, how would you feel if I just like came to your house? We did the training session. You know, I don't, I don't need all this equipment in the gym. You know, I can like, serve up an amazing workout for you without all this crazy equipment. She's like, Oh my God. Yes. Where do I sign? Like, here's my credit card. Let's go. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So easy peasy lemon squeezy. (laughs) 
Right. But it goes back to the fact that I was solving a legitimate need in the marketplace. But because I had developed that relationship with that client for so long, I think I was with her for like six months before I was like, Hey, what do you think of this? Like, am I totally crazy for She's like, no, she's like, Elena, do it. She said, there's going to be a line around the block. Like, just do it. And so I started (laughs) very slowly just taking some of these clients. And I know some people might be like rolling their eyes, like, ah, isn't that a little bit questionable? But like, if you have a dream and you are feeling like, you know what, I can still do this with integrity. And I did leave the, the corporate gym setting. Everything was all kosher there. But the biggest takeaway that I want to stress is that I did not just say, I want to quit everything and just go all into Trainer Diva. It, it didn't happen that way. And if I would have done it that way, I would have failed like month, I don't know, four or five. I would have run out of money, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, po- and this is another point I want to drive home because I see a lot of this on social media. There's all of these coaches out here saying, go quit your job, go start that dream business. I'm going to coach you through the whole thing. And I'm like, no, (laughs) do not do that. Because number one, there's a couple of things. The first thing is you don't even know if you enjoy the work yet, right? That's number one. Number two, you have no idea what it takes to actually make a living off of this side gig yet, right? You have no idea what your good months are going to be, what your bad months are going to be. You're going to have inconsistent cash flow like crazy. <laughs> yeah, there are, there are ebbs and flows. It's feast or famine. There. You you never know. And it, you never it, know. It is month to month when you start out. And I think that's a really important point because, you know, how much money is enough to have to leave the 9 to 5 to only focus on the side gig and make it full time? Yeah. And, and I think it's very specific to every individual business. And what is your overhead going to be? Are you going to have to hire help? Are you going to have to have systems? Are you going to have to have, you know, virtual assistants or, or anything like that? Will you be traveling? So you have to save and save and save until you're completely prepared to take that leap. And I think a lot of people, their goal and, and desire ultimately is to take that leap and be full time. But I'm really glad you're making these points that you can't just quit your day job and you can't just say, okay, coach, here's $15,000, build me a business because you have to be prepared to hustle, be in the trenches, work 24 seven and, and in order for it to work. So don't count your chickens before the eggs are hatched, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. And the other thing that people forget about too, is like, how much is this going to disrupt your life? right? It's like, I feel like it is irresponsible. It's irresponsible to my family for me to quit my salary job right now. Okay. Again, I don't have somebody in the background funding my side gig. I cannot lose. Well, I'm just, I'm in the Silicon Valley tech world. So I see a lot of these like crazy shenanigans that happen with these public companies. They just like bleed cash. I'm like, no, you got to run lean. You got to, you got to be able to take a hold of your expenses. But again, think about, is this the responsible thing to do? Because if you are disrupting your life in that way, you are going to burn out. You're going to have a lot of like bridges burned. Um, and it's just, again, I come from a very like realistic and practical approach to these things because what I saw with trainer diva, my personal training company, when I was like, okay, I'm going to actually hire trainers and I'm going to actually scale it to different States. I was very, very aware of the fact that I knew exactly like to the penny what I needed to do in order to a keep the lights on, right? I didn't have brick and mortar. Well, I did, but that's another story. Um, what exactly my expenses were, how hiring somebody was going to change my bottom line, right? My PL statement was going to shift a lot. And I also had to really be cognizant of the fact that I am now responsible for another human being's livelihood, 
right? So also you cannot forget about that, right? So I had trainers that were on payroll that this is what they did. This was the trainer diva was their full-time job. So when you're scaling, you have to really be aware of like, what, what are the, um, how are you going to stay profitable? Right. I think that was my initial point was like staying profitable as you grow. Yeah. And that's, there is no guarantee for that. So you have to be very strategic. So very good points on that. So what advice can you give to people who are in the corporate setting? They are not happy. They're frustrated. They're just going through the grind every day. You kind of came across your side gig almost by chance because yes. you were, you know, constantly, you were doing the blog and the vlogs and YouTube and things like that. So the podcasting was kind of a natural next step for you. But what advice do you have for other people in terms of finding what might fuel them? And I know you're a very passionate person and I talk a lot about you know, you're merging your values, your visions, and your passions to come up with that. So what, what do you recommend to people? Like, how do you guide people that come to you and say, I hate my corporate job. I'm so unhappy, but I don't know what to do. I can't leave because financially I have to have that job. Yeah, exactly right. I think the, the biggest thing here is you're going to have to do a little bit of dreaming. You're going to have to, and again, I know this is the the big old buzzword that's coming up in 2020, but you're going to have to journal a little bit. You're going to have to think about what are the things that make you really happy. And I also use this analogy too. What are the things that make you extremely happy, so happy, in fact, that you forget to eat? Now, I'm mm. an Italian. I'm an Italian and I am like, yes, give me the pizza. As you said in the intro, pizza connoisseur, give me the food, give me the snacks. I am here for it. But <laughs> when I started podcasting and I knew I was like light bulb, I went like six hours straight just working on episodes. I was like, oh my God, I forgot to eat. So if you can kind of frame it in that way, right? So what are you really passionate about? The second thing is you want to start to identify and Robin, you talk about this a lot in personal branding. Who are you talking to? Who is your ideal client? Who do you want to solve? Or who do you want to create a relationship with? And what problem do you solve? Right? What is the problem that you're able to solve? So working through some of those basic questions first and testing, I'm a huge, huge proponent of like you're you're not going to come up with the the perfect formula the first time around it, unless you're a baby unicorn that is the next uh you know Mark Zuckerberg um I love you and everything but that's probably not going to happen that's not realistic you're going to go through iterations of what your idea or what your formula is really going to be so who are you who are you serving what problem do you solve and and the last thing I will say too is put your personality into what you're doing because I think in such a crowded marketplace and like a saturated marketplace, putting your personality into what you're doing and somebody can really see that you're passionate about, that's going to make you stand out. That's going to make you shine. And that's what's also going to give you the fuel right? You're going to need rocket fuel to get through these next couple of quarters where you're doing both, right? Mm -hmm. Because then if you end up just doing the side gig and it's just a hobby, that's okay, right? It's so low risk, right? I, for me and for this, this podcast, my investment is very low, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm paying a, a sound engineer, I got some very basic equipment and that is it. Yeah. The rest is just, and I call it a sweat equity side gig, right? And it just happens that a lot of my audience, female entrepreneurs are working on a sweat equity, which means that they're building from the ground up. So my biggest piece of advice is don't get discouraged. Just work on it systematically. Think of, um, think of ways that you can really serve your ideal audience, uh, because that's really going to cut through all of the noise. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, you, you said it the same, 
in a different way than the way I say, I say it in terms of the values, the visions and the passions, but identifying what really makes you happy. And I think if you, you feel that like something is really stimulated inside of you when you know you're on the right track. And I think every single person out there has a gift and it's just soul searching to find that gift. And once you find that gift, you can identify the the people that you want to serve and then build from there. But, yeah. but use that as a starting point, because yeah. even, even if you're in the corporate world and you don't like what you're doing per se, are there segments off of that, that you could then take and adapt for your own purposes to build your own business? Because chances are there, there are things that you've, you already know, you already have the skill sets and there's something that everyone is really good at. So identify those things and then, or that thing, and then bounce from there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also too, the number one uh, complaint that I hear from a lot of female entrepreneurs that are still in that corporate nine to five setting, they're like, I don't have a way to be creative in my nine to five. And I relate so heavily to that because I, I can't be creative in my nine to five. So what really started out as a, a creative expression, creative outlet um, has really turned into and really snowballed into this amazing fast growing podcast but i think also too people have to have to realize that when you when you tap into those those passions you're you're just you're just going to be happy mm-hmm. <laughs> right yeah you know it's like because when you're when you're in your corporate setting and you're like something's nagging at you i know for me like i can't i couldn't really shake that feeling i was like uh, i'm not really supposed to be here the pay is really stinking good. I can't like, I, you know what I mean? But, but there is something else that you can plug into. There is something else that you can create. So, um, yeah, that's, I, I'm really, really, uh, just impressed with the fact that we live in this amazing gig economy, like freelancing is so powerful right now. And I'm so thankful to live in a time where we can legitimately pull ourselves up from our bootstraps. You have a smartphone and you have Wi-Fi. Go, go girl. What are you waiting for? Yeah, I love that. There's no reason to be broke in 2020. No. Like yes. if you have if you have a smartphone and Wi-Fi, you're you're golden. You're you good. could do just about yes. anything. Yes. With yes. Adding in that a Google search bar. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and it's so funny. You said I, in my last episode that I'm coming out with, I said, uh, you know, if you can, uh, if you can do all of these things now, can you imagine trying to start SciGig back like in the nineties without no. Google podcasts, um, all of these free resources that we have yeah. on YouTube. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it is. You would have spent more time in the library than you would have been working on your business. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Um, right. okay. So this is my biggest question for you because you are literally nine to five and five to nine. Like that's, you have two separate jobs and you know, I just started my podcast and this year and it's a lot of work and I have someone helping me on the back end to do the sound editing and stuff like that. But it's still the content creation schedule, everything, even though it's automated is a lot of work. So time management, people get so overwhelmed and I don't know that I ever talked to anyone that said, that doesn't say, I'm so busy. I have no time or, you know, and I catch myself saying it. It's like, oh my gosh, there's no time for that. How, how do you manage time? Like, do you yeah. explain that to us? Okay. So there's a couple of different things I, I want to say about time management. The first is that I think personally, and this is a radical opinion, is that I think there's no work-life balance. I, I you know, if you want to have an extraordinary life 20 years down the road, you got to be in the trenches now and you got to do the work and you got to be exhausted. I think that's an unpopular opinion, but I think it's the truth. I'm very lucky to be married to a very uh, supportive man, uh, John, my husband, he's also an entrepreneur. So he understands, right, that, you know, right now is the mode of building dreams, right? If you, if you can't stomach that, then that's okay. 
You can keep it as a hobby. There is no need for you to scale it up to six figures. Keep it as a side gig. Please do that. But if you want to grow it and you want to scale it, time management, you're going to have to be really good at it. So tips on time, time management. I use this method. It's called the Pomodoro method. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Mm-hmm. 20 minutes of like really focused work. Stand up, walk around, get a glass of water for like another 10 minutes, like clear my mind. Sometimes I move my laptop to a different environment, right? Sit back down, okay, do another 20 minutes of sustained work. Now, that's one of the the tools or the strategies that I use, like when I'm in a workflow. Um, but to be honest, I've been able to block out time on my calendar. I only record episodes on Monday, right? And I know that this is the time because sales are slow on Monday. Like I've used all of my uh, years of being in this like sales field uh, operation that I know Monday, nobody's going to take my calls inside of a dealership on a Monday. I record episodes on Monday. So identify those key places in your nine to five. You know, they're in there where you're slow, you know, within reason. Okay. I don't want you to get, I don't want you to get fired. Right. I'm not, I'm not trying to have a lunch break or you have, you know, go in an hour early, leave an hour early and, and adjust your schedule. Okay. Exactly. So you're blocking out time actively and I use Google calendar to do that. The other thing is I want to, uh, really make clear that you are going to have to spend time on the weekends doing this period end of story now that's not to say you can't take like a really good break on a sunday that's fine but just be aware that you're going to have to do some work on a saturday you're going to have to maybe do a work on work on friday nights but again it goes back to that passion do you want to work on it so much that you forget to eat Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that's kind of like a weird analogy, but you will find time. Anybody yeah. wanting a diet plan, just become an entrepreneur. Right. <laughs> you have no time to eat. This is, you know, and, and I will forget it to a little bit later. Like, how do you stay fit? It's like, well, you just start a podcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's being strategic with your calendar, blocking off that time. And I have office hours. I have office hours where I am expected to answer emails, call on clients, be in the field doing my nine to five. But that's not to say that I, you know, don't have a spare, uh, you know, couple of minutes here and there to just hop on Instagram stories and talk about why podcasting is a a disruptor in in news media. Right. So, Mm. and people love that. They're like, Oh my gosh, what you're talking about this? Like, and I'm like, yep, here we go. I want to go back into this closet. So, so it's finding those little, uh, those little pockets of time and be prepared to do that for a long time. Right. This is a marathon. I always talk about this on my show. This is a marathon. This is not a get rich quick scheme. This is not instant gratification time. This is a time for you again, do you enjoy this work? Because if you enjoy it, that's going to, that's going to pull you through. Yeah. Okay. So tell us one mistake that you made that you don't want any other person starting a side gig or starting an entrepreneurship journey to make. So mistake, I want to tell you about a startup that I started back in like 2016. It was a, it was back when I was dabbling in YouTube and it was a food delivery company. And biggest mistake was that I was stubborn and I did not want to, I didn't want to pivot because of pride. Okay. Don't, that's excellent. You know, I don't think you even need to say more. Oh, right. Okay. (laughs) I mean, that's a, that is such a powerful thing because to be able to admit you make a mistake and then pivot. my ego. Yeah. Right. I think our ego is sometimes our worst enemy. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. That's brilliant. Everybody out there, like take note of that, like be willing to accept the mistake, take what you learn from it and pivot and do something new. Perfect. I love it. Do something new. Yeah. Because you are not going to make that business model work. You're you're just, it's not. Okay. Go for it. (laughs) Okay. So now my next, what is the one piece of advice that you would give? 
One piece of advice I would give is surround yourself with positive people. Surround yourself with people who understand other entrepreneurs. Like that is such a power because again, so I keep referring to this last episode. It's like fresh in my brain. You are very isolated when you start a side gig, especially a sweat equity side gig. Do not be afraid to reach out to other entrepreneurs in the community. And please reach out to Robin, reach out to me, like just have positive people and just positivity just pumped into your brain at all times. Because when you know what hits the fan, because you know, it's going to, you're going to need to lean on that community and ask for advice, uh, you know, a, a place to vent and just scream and be like, ah, what am I doing? You know, and just having like this like WTF moments, create that community that almost like a, a cocoon because it's not going to be easy. That's a, a definite. It's like, what is definitely ahead? It's going to be tough, but when you have positive people around you, I can tell you, it just makes it so much better and you will you will be able to get through those really ch like tough challenges a lot easier and a lot smoother yeah 100 percent. your tribe what did they say your tribe makes your vibe or something like that yes. but it really i i know that having had a tribe of women in my corner made a huge has made and still today makes a huge difference for me on the daily so very important okay what book recommendation do you have Ooh, okay. So the first one, can I give two? Sure, or, of course. Okay. Okay. So the first book is a it's called The Ultimate uh, Guide to the Side Hustle. And it's by ironically, I am not making this up. Her name is also <laughs> Elena, but she spells it differently. It's like it's Elena Varon. It's like E-L-A-N-A. -A. Um, there are 500, 500 different side gigs, different side hustles that you can do. Um, and they're all listed out for you. They're things from, you know, plugging yourself into a ready-made business model, you know, all the way from like dog sit, dog sitting and Airbnb all the way to like, you know, creating your own freelance or virtual assistant, right? So they, it, it just breaks it out 500. So if you're just like, I have no idea what I want to do as a side gig, go check out that book. Um, and then there is another book. I was just talking about this with my friend, uh, Brianne Fleming, who is also really like into branding. Uh, she recommended this book to me. It's called About Face by Dan Hill. It's all about the power of showing your face, the power of like we were talking about earlier in the episode, like that face to face or mm -hmm. human to human connection. That is just so, so crucial in any type of branding, any type of messaging that you're doing um, as, as the face of your company, as the face of your, your side gig eventually business. So um, those are my two recommendations. Uh, I'm sure there's more, but that's what I would, that's what I would give to you. Those are great. Thank you. So sure. I'll definitely put those in the show notes because I think they'll be very beneficial to other Perfect. people. So thank you. Okay. So what is your favorite be beverage? Are you a coffee girl? No, I'm black tea all the way. Black English tea. Yes. English breakfast is my jam. I, um, it's so funny because I love the smell of coffee and I like, the taste of coffee with other stuff like chocolate, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I don't, I don't drink coffee. It's really weird. Cause my mom is a huge coffee drinker. Um, but I just, I don't know. I really got into tea, um, just randomly a couple of years ago. And I'm like, Oh, English. Oh, you know what it was when I was, uh, I went to Italy with my husband last year on a business trip and they had this just amazing, black tea. It was ironically English breakfast in Italy, which doesn't really make any sense, but that's kind of like how I got hooked on it. Oh, that's funny. And okay. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Oh, dogs all the way. So another story about this is I want a dog so bad. Um, but <laughs> we're probably going to be moving in the next couple of months or so. Um, and I don't know, it's probably not the right time to get a dog, but I will literally 
go to a random dog on the street and I will pet that dog. <laughs> I love dogs so much. Oh, good. I'm a dog person too. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. I love dogs. Well, Elena, we should probably wrap up because yes. we've been chatting for quite a while, but I think it has been so lovely and so beneficial. And I, I really want everyone to be able to find you and learn more from you. So will you please tell the audience about your, where to find your podcast, as well as where to find you, where you hang out. I know Instagram, so shoot that handle out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Robin. Um, yeah, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for letting me be on your show today. I, uh, as you said, hang out on Instagram a ton. You can search for side gig underscore central underscore podcast, or you can also just search uh, my first and last name. I will, Elena Chicatelli, uh, that will also come up. If you would like to listen to the podcast, amazing, go search for the Side Gig Central podcast. And um, it's on Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all of those outlets. And I have a website, sidegigcentral.com. You can also find me there. And I also am on Facebook, not as much as I would like to be, but I am there. Um, Side Gig Central podcast was the last one. Twitter sometimes show up on Twitter, but uh, that's Elena underscore side gig. But if you really want to connect with me, please, please, please connect with me on Instagram. It's actually my favorite platform. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was such a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Robin. Thank you so much for the invite. As soon as you sent it over to me, I'm like, yes, Robin, I respect what you're doing so much. I love your show. I was binging it while I was driving to my job uh, on Monday. So congratulations. You are killing it. I love your episode. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. And that's a wrap, friends. Thank you so much for listening today. I am grateful to have you here with me. Before you go, have we connected on Instagram yet? If not, what are you waiting for? Find me at the Robin Graham. It's Robin with a Y. And take a screenshot of this episode and tag me in your stories so that I can find you too. You can also find me on Facebook at Robin Graham Photography and on LinkedIn as Robin Graham. I hope you'll follow me in those places so that we can stay connected and I can get to know more about you as well. And remember, if you found this information helpful or think a friend might enjoy it, please spread the word. Until next time, remember to smile. <laughs>